Now. Three, two, one, go! This is episode 45 of the Cool Down Time podcast. I'm your graphically impressive host, Marco, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-op co-host, Pablo, to talk about gaming's best and bootiest. Can we get a what's up to the people from you, Pablo? Well, what's up to the people from me, Pablo? Ah. Uh, what's How's it going, Marco? I'm doing all right, man. Doing all right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in uh, tired dad mode today, but I'm, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I made it. Uh, and you're in tired dad to be mode i'm guessing oh yeah man <laughs> i see that crib yes. behind you is looking pretty it's looking pretty fly man look at that uh, yeah we got that crib going we got a we got a little bit of a mess happening here we got like the chair and the thing we're still kind of organizing everything but we, we we're almost there a game room is not looking very gamey anymore man hell no this ain't no game room no more this is a place i got a corner here man it's gonna well i mean t- depending on how you look at it it's gonna be a lot of quick time events to to make sure your child is, is not in peril but uh but man it's it's looking good back there man um yeah welcome to the show in this episode we are going to be covering the reliability of video game reviews our thoughts on Sony's State of Play Showcase, and much more. So whether you're a new listener or a returning listener, we appreciate you all the same. And if you like what you hear, give our podcast a sub. We post new episodes weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. We are where you need us. And you could also follow us on Instagram at Podcast or Twitter at CooldownTimePod to stay connected with your boys. Uh, so, with that being said, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, let's go ahead and kick things off uh, with, um, what do you want to talk about first, man? We got we got two interesting games uh, to, to discuss here. So, how are you feeling? Where, where, where do you want to begin with this one? Yeah, let me let me get mine out of the way. Um, understanding that this kind these kinds of games aren't for everybody. Um, I think we're pretty much never going to talk about Madden or maybe too extensively about NBA, but you know, I, I, I am going to talk a little bit here about WWE 2K22. Uh, look, I mean, I, I think this game had failure written all over it from the get. Delayed 18 months, coming off the disastrous 2K20, everything we saw leading up to this game was just plainly put, I think was bad. Uh, but I will say, they maybe based on expectations, I, I genuinely think that they they pulled it through uh, here uh, towards the end. They, they kind of got everything together. I, I think um, initially, real, real quick, I want to say the game is not beautiful by any stretch of the imagination, Mm-mm. but it's it's a massive upgrade over 2K20, which is not really saying much. Um, I, a, lot, a lot was said about the game changing the way we, we play the wrestling games, and that's true. Uh, the fighting system is superb. It's amazing building block for future games. It's easily more accessible, but incredibly in depth at the same time. Kind of has like that, you know, easy for for people who are coming in for the first time. But if you really start to study the the, the fighting system, it, it gets really good. It's combo orientated, which sounds a little weird, but when you think back to like WWF No Mercy, where they have a light attack and heavy attack button, that's that's back. Uh, so uh, X and and A uh, are X is light, A is heavy, and so you can. Hit, 
X twice, A once, and that's a combo thing. And if you do X twice, A, and then B, it's a combo with a grapple move. And you don't have to know these things because there's a there's a separate grapple move button, which is B, and then you can do that traditionally as well. It just has, it, it, what it does, it opens up a new way to, to, to fight and ha- gives you more moves. And it's instead of doing the same things over and over, you have the ability to do so much more mm-hmm. in this game. And, and it's really, really cool in that way. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I think what it does, it doesn't forget that it's a wrestling game or WWE game. So it gives you like, it still is built for it to give you like these great emotional moments or not emotional, but great, like wrestling moments in while you're fighting. It's not all about like combo breakers or, or anything like that. It's, yeah, it's that, not like that at all. I was actually going to ask you about like real quick, like just the, the match quality. Like, can you have like really like enjoyable matches with with a lot of good back yeah. and forth or does it feels does it still have like does it have more sim or combo like mechanics but does it still kind of look like an arcadey battle at the end of the day no so what they did is they before back in the games for those of you familiar they had a kind of a, an amount of reversals that you can do per um per match right let's say it's four per match or four that you can fill up but anyway you had a limited amount of reversals. And so at that point, what I would do when I played it online is I would just wait for the reversals to go down and then just do whatever I wanted because they couldn't get out of it. So at that point, it was skill over like planning and it felt a lot more fighty, arcadey. This game has an infinite amount of reversals. You can reverse anything you want. Now, everything is done differently. So where certain moves have different reversal points. So we're like, when he first grabs you, that's not where the reverse is. It's at the apex of the move, right? So it's not that easy to accomplish. But there are moments where you can literally jump from the top rope. You can reverse it, grab that person, person to, uh, starts to suplex you, then you, then you do a a uh, reversal, and then you you can you can go on a chain like that, and it just mm. looks the transitions between those moves are so good that it looks like an actual wrestling match. They really do a really good job cool. uh, with that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I think the one and, and to kind of quickly run through this, I think the one thing that really move that really is just amazing it's the showcase mode. It's an incredible standout mode. It's a documentary style run through Rey Mysterio's career where you take all like his most iconic fights he narrates the actual matches when certain points happen and the dopest shit about this is when you reach a recognizable point in that match you do the move and then as you do the move it literally transitions into the actual footage uh, of the match and it does it so seamlessly and smoothly it is like fucking like it, it is when it first happened i was like in awe of how dope that shit is mm. It, 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 they really do shit like this. Other stuff like My Rise and GM Mode aren't exactly standouts, but they are. They can be addictive to play. If anybody who's played a NBA or a Madden kind sure, of story, yeah. how how bad they are, but how addictive they can actually be to kind of you know get your player to to where you want them to be. Um, as for the roster, I've seen a lot of complaints about people seeing that's light on content or wrestlers. It's weird considering that this WWE bolsters 168 wrestlers. Like, there's 168 wrestlers available. I, I, I think those being critical of the product of WWE, that's fair. But I don't think it's a slight on the game. That's like being mad at Madden or NBA 2K for rostering current NBA or NFL rosters. Like, yeah, if you're not a fan of the WWE or the NBA or NFL... To be like, man, I can't believe Tom Brady's in this game or some shit like that. It's like, I mean, it's it's not really for you. I mean, the, to be critical of the brand is one thing, but the game is what the brand is. So at that point, it's like, you know, if if you don't like the current product on TV, this is the current product in video game form. Sure. So you know, 
I understand being critical of the product, but to to to, to make that a slide in the game doesn't really make a lot of sense for me. Um, just to kind of wrap up here, I, I have to say this. Um, the the game can downright look ugly as shit sometimes. Like mm-hmm. it, it is a weird, baffling thing where there's these really cool moments, and then there's these really mo- there are other moments where it's like, where is what is what game is this from? <laughs> like the creative character is in depth, and you can do anything you want, just like you have in, pre- in previous years. However, once you're creating that character and you see how he looks in action he looks so he looks the same but he looks better than your actual you know when you're actually making him it's like it's so it's like two different things mm. and and i will say this game is terribly optimized absolutely awfully optimized i there are moments where it's 30 seconds plus in loading not just a game mode but an asset oh let's go to the face and and, and create a character let's go to the face and create a like they load all these assets and it takes forever that shit mm-hmm. is frustrating what's also frustrating the my rise which is the my player thing dude they in previous games they had such a dope ass kind of story where it was linear in a way where everybody who played the story kind of went through the same kind of steps and in modern games, they try to branch out different kind of paths. And what they end up doing is really fucking shit up. In my first few uh, matches in WWE, I got drafted to Raw, so on and so forth, whatever. I won the U.S. title. Okay? I'm the U.S. title champ currently. And then after that, there are other story beats with no mention of that. I'm coming out uh, fighting people with no U.S. title around my, my, my waist. No <laughs> mention of that. Like, because it's moved on to the next thing. Yeah. One time, it forces you to become a heel or a uh, um, or a baby face, all within the, the context of the story, without telling you that some consequences will lead to that. So one moment I'm a baby, I do one thing and I'm a, a heel. It's like so, it's not good. That stuff is not good. Um, and it's it's one of those things where it's like the, that bullshit from previous games is still here. They have the building blocks ready to go. I think that this this can really be a really good kind of. Um, uh, a stepping stone towards the right direction to kind of making this feel more quality. Unfortunately, when it comes to these modes like My Rise and stuff like that, they really have a long way to go here. And and in that way, I am still playing it because I, I, I it's just like a sports games RPG type thing where I understand the repetitiveness of it and I just kind of into it, kind of like I, I do with the show. But ultimately, for me, this is less satisfying than all those sports games that I play when it comes to that My Player mode. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it has its problems, but it's definitely kind of a be- yeah. maybe a better uh, starting point for the next couple of games to come. Um, it's been a lousy week for wrestling in general, obviously. With uh, yeah. I mean, we, we've got Scott Hall yeah. or Razor Ramon and in, in, on life support right now, which is awful. And and yeah. Big E broke his neck on national television. Um, yeah. But it's it's nice to see that there's a, a at least a bright spot right now for the world of wrestling. Yeah, which is weird. Such so, so, such weird timing, huh? This game comes out and then. That whole week, all this stuff happens, and Biggie's like predominantly uh, a factor in the in the actual marketing of the game yeah. itself. So, uh, so it's a little it's a little sad and it's a little weird to see. But uh, you know, I mean, look, this game could have been a disaster. Like me and Marco talked about it. I think uh, did we did we talk either off air or on the game where we kind of were expecting this game to be as disa- disastrous, even more so than Two K Twenty, and it's not. It's actually really really fun to play with a litany of issues that have plagued previous games, but because maybe 2K20 was so bad that mm. these seem less egregious, but <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. it's it's not it's not this quintessential wrestling experience, but it is really, really exciting to see where they go uh, with the future here. And I'm looking forward to the AEW game that Ux is making mm. that is supposed to, like, it's supposed to be, like, changing the, the game, the, 
you know, the world of, of, of video games and wrestling. So we'll see if that's the case. Well, I'm glad that wasn't a disaster, but unfortunately, I played a disaster. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, the demo for Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin uh, dropped, and uh, it's a limited-time demo from what I understand. I think it expi- expires next month or goes offline next month. Um Carries over your progress, I believe, to the full game if you if you are insane enough to buy it. Um, oh, okay, that makes sense. Why it's so big, like forty eight gigs yeah. to download. I'm like, yeah, Sir? it's it's pretty much yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, the the whole game. I'm I'm guessing. Um, there's there's two different ways we can go about this conversation. I think one way is just kind of getting into the weeds of like what the game plays like, looks like, sounds like, all this other stuff, and and then there's also just kind of the the way that this game is being talked about in the media and by people you know just kind of out there who have who've gotten their hands on it or played the demo and have been sort of calling this that that quintessential so bad it's good but bad but good kind of game um so I, I actually just I don't want to spend a lot of time on what's wrong with the game because that would take up way more time than this show has time for. Um, <laughs> I think the game is pretty awful. I think it's uh, it, it is it, you know, and, and that quality or lack thereof, I think, has been telegraphed um, pretty much from its announcement all the way up until now. Um, it just looks like a Team Ninja game from 2007 that is trying to look, act, and sound and seem like a 2022 game that it is not. Um, I think that shows through in its visuals, its performance mode. I mean, the performance mode in this game is is easily the worst I've ever seen. Um, not because Jesus. it doesn't hit 60 frames per second, but because it it bumps the quality of the game's visuals down so low. I said this kind of half-jokingly to Pablo offline, but it, it makes Switch games look like horizon forbidden west (laughs) i mean it is it is the grainiest blurriest ugliest performance mode i have ever witnessed in my life so far i and i hope i never have to see it again i thought i rubbed my eyes with sandpaper before i looked at my tv was that bad um the gameplay is media is average at best I, it is. It is. Um, it seems inspired by Final Fantasy VII remake. A, a little bit of some old school action games like A Devil May Cry in, in some ways, but nothing remarkable about it whatsoever. The story, the characters, the the, the dialogue, the voice acting is abysmal. Um, the, we saw that in the in the in the, in the trailer. Yeah, and where, and, yeah. and I think that's where to kind of segue into the way people are talking about the game. I think that's where people are finding the opening to give it this like free pass for for its lack of quality because oh you know they're not trying to to make a they're going for that kind of can't be no they're not i'm sorry they're not they're not they're trying to make a great um game with final fantasy uh license and 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 it's not it's not good i think people are being a little too generous about that and in trying to say that team ninja who you know has never gone out of their way to make a, a, a can't-be-so-bad-it's-good game before. You know, when you think back on, like, Ninja Gaiden and the Xbox days, like, they've always, even if there was camp, it was never their goal to, to make it that way intentionally. So that whole argument is obnoxious to me, and I think it just, to me, I think the bigger conversation is, like, this is not doing the Final Fantasy brand any, any favors at all. 
Right. So, like, even if this was on purpose, why? Right. Like, what's the point? You know, one thing I'll bring up, Marco, um, when you look at stuff and it's like, oh, it's so bad, it's good. Nine times out of ten, that wasn't on purpose. Bird, I don't, I don't know if you know this movie called Birdemic Shock and Terror. It's this, this filmmaker made this movie about basically climate change and how it's killing everything. And it is one of the worst fucking movies of all time. And it is a blast to watch because they are going at this in earnest. Like, they think that they're changing the world with this movie. And it's so bad, it's good. Mm-hmm. Then, once they realize that, they made Birdemic 2, The Resurrection, which was trying to emulate what Shock and Terror did on purpose, and it was awful. Not so bad it was good. It was awful, because they thought they were now in on the joke. And so, if this game is trying to do that, it's still bad. It it, it still doesn't mean that we're going to give it an excuse because, oh, they're trying to be campy. If you're trying to be campy and you don't succeed at it, then what is it exactly you're doing? Because you're not... You know, you're not reinforcing Final Fantasy. You you just made an right. artistic and, and creative decision based on what? You know, it's, I don't understand. Yeah, and, and it, it's not to say that there has never been a game with a Final Fantasy license or, or branding that has been bad. And this is just the first one of its kind. It, it's not that. It's that you're tying this game into the canon of the, the game that started it all. So to me, that... To me, as a Final Fantasy enthusiast, you're telling me this is an essential Junk. game to the the lore and the foundation of of the very first game, and, and to an extent, the series. Um, since you know so much was built from the first game, you know, as a, as as an origin part, you know. But like, it's so if you're doing that, your intention is not to camp me out. It's it's to it's to tie everything in and and um, and wow me with with kind of how you're retconning in all this extra stuff and and none of that's working um, and so I think the game is is um, kind of an embarrassment to Final Fantasy in that sense more so than other failures and flops from Final Fantasy's history whether it's mainline games or spinoffs I mean to me I think it is an embarrassment to to the to the name. And um, I think I think Square and, and Team Ninja ought to be ashamed to uh, to an extent for 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 giving this a platform. Like, there's so many other games we've been wanting Square to to announce or greenlight, and we would love to see Team Ninja do you know great work again. But how did this how did this happen? How did it get this far? And who or why was there no one rather that? kind of stopped and looked at this and said, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> like, what is this? So Yeah, I, I I think that they were definitely trying to do something different. And, and maybe, I don't know, again, maybe, it w- maybe this is on purpose. Maybe this campiness is what they wanted it to kind of achieve. And that doesn't mean any, it's, that's still bad. It still sucks. It, the internet for me is ruining any kind of semblance of what's good or bad like the whole notion not every game is for everybody but this game that is for nobody is for everybody and if it's not for you then you're nobody like it's like it's like this weird <laughs> shit where it's like Elden Ring isn't for everybody guys it's you know but then this game is like this game sucks but no you have to play you don't understand you have to play this game uh, I don't, it's it's so bad I don't nah. I don't understand it I, I I couldn't even run the demo so I can't even uh, talk about the actual gameplay yeah I, let me I didn't play it, but. I admittedly I didn't play a lot of the demo I mean it, you know at, at some point I have to you know it sounds kind of petty but I valued my time too much to <laughs> subject myself <laughs> to this one I could be playing GT7 or, or Elden Ring or I don't know anything 
uh, for that matter. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't I don't suggest uh, if, if you're on the fence about this or curious about it, whether you're a, a huge Final Fantasy fan or just you know a casual one, it's not worth your time. It's not worth. It's definitely not worth sixty dollars. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna put sixty dollars up for a game at some point soon, I would wait and see how Ghostwire Tokyo comes out looking, uh, which we'll talk about in, in in a little bit, I think. Um, but uh, you know, I, I would just wait or, or get something else. This yeah. is not a good game, and it's not I might, something you should mess with. I might try it if it, if it ever hits Game Pass. Uh, yeah, quintessential Game yeah. Pass game, or if it's like a deep discount, like later in the year, like twenty bucks or something. Maybe if you if you really want to, mm. but I no, I, I can't yeah. suggest it. So um, yeah, unfortunately, um, Final Fantasy is not uh, not looking too hot as a starting point this year with uh, with this uh, disaster of a game. Uh, it is it is chaos to say the least. Um, chaos for sure. Chaos. So uh, with that being said, uh, that's going to wrap up loadouts. So let's go ahead and jump right into our new segment of the show, which is called Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, and uh, to start, we have uh, Sony holding a 20-minute State of Play event this past Wednesday to showcase upcoming games from Japanese studios. Um, Pablo, what were your thoughts about this event? How did it go, in your opinion? It went poorly. (laughs) Look, one of the things that we're never going to really know or understand is that there are certain people who pay Sony a certain amount of money in order to showcase their games in, in this way. Uh, and so I guess that they have to do this almost. It's like a thing that they have to do. Well, that doesn't, it's not going to exclude it from criticism. I'm sorry. It's just not. I mean, this was a waste of my fucking time. 20 minutes of all games that could have been tweets and some games that really frustrated me to no end. Like just to start off the show, Exo Primal, Look, they have, like, they fucking have Dino Crisis staring them down right there. A franchise that's that's ripe for remaking, to creating sequels, whatever the case may yep. be. And what they did is like, all right, let's just make what looks like a Destiny-like uh, live service type of game here. I, I'm not, we're not even quite sure what it is. We know it's coming out next year. And then after that, it's just kind of like well, more for Ghostwire Tokyo, then the Strangers of Paradise stuff, and then for Spoken stuff that you know, stuff that is is already coming down the pike, and stuff that not necessarily people are really too excited about. Uh, Gundam, uh huh. <laughs> uh, the the collection, the the Teenage Mutant. That's kind of cool, I guess. But I mean, you know, sure. And then what else did they have? They had like Gigabash. I don't know what that is. Trek to Yuma was like the standout, which oh, is like that that black and white yeah. uh, samurai type of looking. I thing. didn't think it looked that good uh, actually. I thought it was a little too on the nose. It didn't look it didn't look like dingy enough. It was a little too cartoony looking with the but with like the Kurosawa filter on it. It was I didn't I didn't really yeah, care for it, it too much. Yeah, it, it reminded me a little bit of Mark and Ninja. Uh, but oh, with yeah, more yeah. realistic, uh, yeah, more realistic graphics than that. Uh, then Returnal has a uh, co-op thing, which look if people like Returnal, I'm sure that's kind of that's oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, I, I know but, a lot uh, of people that were excited about that actually. So I was like, yeah, right, and, cool. and that's probably one, of, yeah, one of the bigger announcements. And then I don't know anything else. I know that Valkyrie people like Valkyrie Chronicles, mm-hmm. and I know Elysium. Is that a new game? I don't know. Actually, Valkyrie. I have no idea what yeah. that was. Um, if it was a part of that. Lore or people were really excited about no that. Idea. Yeah. yeah, more power yeah. to them. But again, these are things that could have came up in, in tweets. I, I, I don't know, man. It's, 
I guess it's fine if you know if you're doing this once a month and, and or so twice a month and just kind of how Nintendo does it. That's fine, but it's like man, like what really what really kind of tires me and has nothing to do with Sony, not Sony's fault at all. It's just a discourse around these things. Mm-hmm. They set expectations and everybody's like Thor Ragnarok or oh, we yeah, riot. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. We're gonna to show me. off Japanese developers uh, next games. I yeah. wonder if Naughty Dog's gonna show off factions. What, <laughs> sir, man, <laughs> sir? It, What's wrong with it? It's you? exhausting. And I know people are like, well, don't watch it or don't. Look, I'm a. That's my. That's my biggest hobby. Video games are my biggest yeah. hobby. We obviously do this. This podcast. Uh, it's just for for us. It, it, it it's just a, a thing that gets t- thrown into kind of our our pile of things we like that we have to kind of fucking move out the way to kind of get to the good mm-hmm. stuff. And it's kind of frustrating in that way for me because it's like, man, I know that Xbox has been quiet, but I rather them be quiet and then us criticize them and then them come out with something be like boom and you're like oh shit there it is you know then consistently having this flow of information that really doesn't mean anything to more to a lot of people i don't know that's just kind of my i, take I on mean it. I, I don't know if i agree with that yeah. part about it because i think I, I think you do have to keep your brand fresh on people's minds even if you don't necessarily have the most um exciting stuff to show off but i also think it's a it's a matter of and i think you touched on this like just managing your own expectations if they're telling you this is just going to be 20 minutes. We're going to show off what some developers are up to. And there's no like Jeff Grubbs telling you, yo, this one, Yeah, you know, I think it's safe to say that you should be kind of, or I don't mean you personally. I mean, just, you know, in general, people should be more kind of ready to just get one of those typical billboard state of place. Right. And, 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 and that's yeah. what I came into this expecting and I got exactly what I thought it was going to be. And so I didn't put a lot of you know energy into this one other than like just a faint hope of maybe we'll get an update on how the new final fantasy is you know, looking. But right now I don't know if they want to do that when they, when they're trying to, you know, pump, you know, strangers of booty juice. Yeah, uh, and that's and that's exactly what that <laughs> you know is. what I mean. Yeah, strangers. Of booty yeah, juice. It, so I didn't I didn't expect but, a whole lot, but you know. But here's my thing: why not just kind of save all this and just release a like if, if they did like a big state of play that was like 45 minutes of games like this, but so much information that you're kind of filling in the holes for the rest of the year rather than just kind of giving you these kind of little bits of information like like Exo Exo Primal's coming out in 2023. Like we're not gonna really remember that game from, t- from this month. Oh sure, I don't. In I don't disagree with that. Now, but but you gotta now, think my, though. My, look at all them yeah. views. That's the important yeah, well, part. It's, so, well, it's Sony. But the thing, Sony can put out a 20-minute uh, state of play of them showing a piece of shit, a legit piece of shit on screen. And people will be like, ah, I wonder what that sure, means. But, you know, uh, you but know, if you're Sony, you're going, if you're Sony, you're going, why yeah. Why not? I mean, why Why but not do that? My, 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 my thing with what you're saying with Xbox and just to kind of go on this little kind of a – go on this offbeat a little bit. Um, I think it's all about how you end. If Xbox comes out in June and has a big blood and shows all these games that are coming for the rest of the year, nobody's really going to remember January, February, March for them, the lack of, of information. Because going on from that point on, you'll have all this, this info. Now, obviously, if they have nothing to release, 
that that'd be a problem. But I think in terms of just on the information aspect of it, I just think about it. I just think about it how how it ends. And it, yeah, it's gonna be tough sledding for for the conversation online and people like us who have things to say. Because I I agree. I think that Xbox has been awfully way too quiet, and it's kind yeah. of sucks. And I understand the Sony kind of uh, you know their strategy of just being like, hey, we got this new game update on on these old games. Little things here for that's niche, but you know. I understand that, but I mean, look, I sat down and watched it. I, I like you. I had no expectations, but then I'm sure. like, why? Sure, but but why? You also got to look know? at the from, from perspective of these games need that platform more than Sony needs them, right? Like, you, yeah, oh yeah, if, oh, for sure. You know, look, if you're Forspoken or Square with Forspoken, and you have to delay the game to October, which they announced not too long ago, and you need kind of a damage control, but yeah, we delayed it, but look how good it's coming along, right? Check this out. Yeah. That's not Sony's problem. I mean, it's their exclusive, yes, and they want to make sure that they're still representing the game and letting you know, hey, despite the delay, oh, yeah, it's still sure. coming along. But it's also for Square, too. Like, you know, in the other the other announcements, games that are not going to get a lot of press, the the, the Valkyria game or whatever it is, um, you know, or Ghost, even Ghostwire. Like, these are games that, you know, are, are not just it, it. The back scratching it goes both ways. Is is all I'm saying here. It's not. It's not specifically to, yeah. to bolster PlayStation as, as it is to also give these games uh, an opportunity to sort of have more the mo- the most eyes on them than they than they might get because they are just tweet worthy. So it kind of scratches the publishers and developers' backs as well. Yeah, I, I, I get that. It's just like for me, like a lot of people who saw Track to Yumi saw that they're like, yo, that's a great game. Sure, I've yeah, never... yeah. That game, they showed that game <laughs> twice before on State of Plays and, and yeah. you just don't remember it, you know? So it, it, it's just for me like, and I kind of live in a world of Twitter. It's like, you know, a tweet can give you almost as much as kind of, I don't know, just kind of sandwiching in Gundam Evolution between Exo Primal and Valkyrie Elysium. I don't know how much those publishers and developers are really going to get in way of like you know uh well, they got impressions they got done. you know they got a million yeah. or so eyes on that then that probably wouldn't be looking at gundam like that so you, you if you look at it from that perspective yeah. they might you know their their long shot hope is that oh maybe someone who has no idea what gundam is is going to look at this and go ooh what's this mech game i you know what i mean and that's their hope yeah. even though it's unrealistic that's probably their hope and they're going to put some marketing dollars into yeah. sony's pockets to to take a chance like that but um i would say yeah. as far as i guess quantity quantity doesn't mean quality oh, of course I guess, not yeah. yeah i would just say yeah. as far as like some of the, the the like the bigger games um i think for me forespoken since we were just talking about that to me just still doesn't look particularly interesting it looks like it's trying to be a hollywood blockbuster with uh the dialogue to prove it and i mean hey it looks flashy the moves look really neat looks um good. but i just uh, there's just something about that game it's just not it's just not connecting the with me order at all. 1886 also looked really good. You, yeah, but that game was better than you give. It. All right, whatever. I, uh, I I agree. I agree. <laughs> it was it was better than it was better than I, than a lot of people think it is. And right when you got into the groove of yeah. it, four hours later, it was over. That's true. Um, as far as uh, Ghostwire, um, not so much what they showed at the state of play, but IGN had an 18 minute uh, uninterrupted uh, gameplay video, yep. and boy, that looks dry. It was uh, it was raining in yeah. Tokyo on that and on that night, but it was uh, bone dry in them streets. Because listen, the the enemies are just kind of just walking around waiting to die. That's it's one of those games. They don't look like they're particularly that fearsome. There were a few that kind of looked a little aggressive, but a lot of them were just kind of like these weird, ghoulish things with umbrellas walking around, just kind of chilling. 
so the gameplay didn't look particularly fun. I do think it is all Zenyatta hand flashy moves, but not a lot of like really interesting action happening. Um, and the stealth looked very rudimentary, like creep up behind them and do this flashy move that is essentially just a one hit kill or, you know, it just didn't look particularly interesting to me, but I'm not, I'm not ready to say I'm going to avoid the game. I'm going to still hold off on reviews first. I have a feeling this game is going to be one of those where it plays better than it shows, but I did watch the, 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 um, the IGN video, and I, I, I agree. There's something about it that just feels kind of dry and, and, and kind of empty. It's overtly weird, and I like mm-hmm. weird, but this is like it's a little too like I don't. Bro, really they had a sa- they had a side mission where <laughs> you got to put a pickle on a little podium thing for this ghoulish kid to be unstuck in yeah. time that will attract a demon that'll come and get the pickles so you can go kill the demon. And the pickle. The, the, listen, <laughs> listen. I, we play what yakuza, and we did, and we went a whole mission where we had to like talk to these guys dressed as babies, babies. these grown babies. And this is still weirder than this that. This is uh, at least from what bizarre. I saw. And I, I still don't understand what they're striving but for, I, like narratively. Yeah, me neither. But but then again, that that studio uh, Tango Game does really weird stuff. Uh, uh, with their previous games, it's like really weird. Shit. So, I am interested to see what reviews say and kind of how this game is put into words when they talk about it. Kind of like a lot like what Deathloop did, where like nobody was really sure what mm. the game was. Comes out, you know, I'm, I'm still not sure what the game is, by the way. But uh, <laughs> now I'm, I'm I'm super I'm super interested, intrigued, I should say, as to how this game pans out. But it's definitely not a game that's on my radar due to many circumstances other than just video games. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. Um, man, speaking of circumstances, circumstances at the initiative, uh, which is Microsoft's quadruple A studio, are not looking too mm. good right now because the game director for the Perfect Dark reboot, Dan Newberger, has parted ways with the initiative after working with the company for nearly four years. Um this kind of headline's starting to feel a little familiar from Microsoft Studios, yep. right? Um, what does this tell us, Pablo, about the state of this Perfect Dark reboot? And more importantly, why is yet another premier Xbox first-party studio having these kind of headlines? What's going on? Uh, Xbox is playing catch-up, and the way they're doing that is by trying to tell us and show us, hey, we have all these games coming, Fable, um, this game, what's the other one, Everwild, Everwild yeah. all these like games from Rare, like these studios you love and, and a studio like this that we're kind of building, that we're dubbing Quadruple A. And they're just, they jumped the fucking gun. Like it, it, this game, I am I am now confident in that this game, when it was announced, it was nothing more than the trailer. It was concept it. art and an, uh, yeah, and, a, and, a, and a, an intention. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Because when, once they go into it and start developing Years later, like almost two years later, they had uh, what uh, what Square Enix? Crystal Square Dynamics. Enix. Um, yeah, Crystal Dynamics come in and help with development. Like two years later, and they're like, "Well, yeah, we need to bolster the 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 people in there because it's been hard to hire." But it's like two years later. It just this just completely seems to me like, all right, maybe they weren't really 
ready and this creative director was kind of put in place to kind of open the studio, kind of, you know, get everything situated. And when it came to actually making this game itself, maybe his expertise or maybe him creatively just wasn't where he wanted the game to go and parted ways, which happens all the time in early days of development, developing a game, especially when so many people are involved in it. But man, this is not just his studio. This is other studios itself. And I I think one, one of the things that we talked about is the autonomy that a lot of these studios kind of brag about when they get uh, when they get kind of acquired by Xbox they go well Phil is, is kind of hands off you know he'll come around and he'll kind of look at the product we have but he's giving us that creative freedom to do what we want and that all sounds good mm-hmm. as a creative person right <laughs> it sounds but great when you really look at it from what it is there has to be some kind of structure. There kind of has to be something there. Xbox has to step in. You have a great leader in Phil, and that might sound kind of sacrilegious for people like, oh, but you know, I'm getting purchased, and they, they have this, uh, this creative autonomy. It's perfect. It's not a perfect situation. Look at Sony. Sony is involved in each of Everything. their product. And everything that they do, regardless if you're an Xbox fan or PlayStation fan, Nintendo fan, it is undeniable. Everything PlayStation does, it's a first-party yeah. game, is of the utmost quality. Pe- industry, yeah. like industry, sta- like they've made the standard for the industry in terms of each of those first game of, uh, regardless of what kind of genre they are. I don't want to get into all, but they only make yeah, it. Who but, cares? But it just, they make to, amazing To games. your point, like, yeah, people might not love Jim Ryan uh, for the way that he is kind of like, you know, made you know goof ups and and gone back on his words and stuff like that but one thing that he is big on is like he's going to watch over your work and he's going to make sure that what you're doing is not only going to be successful but it's going to represent your studio and the sony playstation brand well um so you can't just be out here making anything you want and having all kinds of you know uh, a turnover with your staff or whatever, you know, that's going to raise red flags Not for him. Just staff, creative directors, creative like g- game directors, like all the like. You, you're right. I, I don't want to like butt in on, on on your points, but just to accentuate them, like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, you if, if you're Xbox, you are taking in all these new studios from these acquisitions, and that sounds beautiful. But how are you going to manage that? You know, you you almost backed yourself into a corner where you have now you're stuck with autonomy because Phil can't manage all these studios like that. He can't gatekeep everybody's yeah. work. So now you are kind of shackled by autonomy and the inmates are running the asylum. So these types of issues staffing wise are are happening way too much. You're announcing games early. You're designating esteemed franchises to, you know, to the wrong. Like you got like Fable going to. To, to the people that make Forza. You're giving, you're giving Fable to a racing game studio. like, And we haven't heard about that <laughs> since. So it's like, how many times, to your point, can we see games get announced earlier than they're supposed to, then run into development problems, then you got the headlines of people leaving again, and not start looking at Xbox like, yo, before you start acquiring more studios, how about you do a better job of managing the ones you have? Because Halo is, is going through a rough time right now. And in, in, in a lot of other games um, you know, in, in Xbox's history have had rough patches like that as well. But look, Let's look. You got Halo with three four three industry with having the is having problems with Halo Infinite multiplayer. Um, you have Arcane who did uh, you know who just released Deathloop and they're doing Redfall, a game that's supposed to come out this summer and we don't know anything about. We saw one trailer. It's coming out this summer. So what does that tell me? It's probably not coming out this summer. So that's probably going to be a delay there. And then when you look at the coalition with Gears of War, Rob Ferguson left after Gears Five. I mean. 
he seems to, you know, he he was one of the original guys along with Cliffy B. Like, it, it just seems like, okay, now they're completely getting away from anything that they had with Coalition. I wonder what's going to happen because we're hopefully it's good. We got Compulsion Games did we Happy Few. They're, I mean, that game is, nobody talks about that Only game. Only a few happy and then, people you know, played that game. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you got you got Forza Horizon, which is absolutely well, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they're making Fable, so what, you know, what's going on with that? And then Rare with, with Everwild, which they literally had to restart development because they announced that game and they were like, actually, we don't want this game to be this kind of game. We're doing something Bro, even even studios like Obsidian are being in a, put in a position where they have to announce the Outer, Wild, uh, Outer Worlds 2. But for what? Which... Yeah, because they're working on a vow. You got to finish up. Yeah, like why are we doing? And this? they're still working with grounded. They got grounded. They got avowed. It's just and weird, now they got man. Nah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. And look, and and and, and rare and rare got these as well. But I'm, I'm looking here through some stuff here. I mean, the only the only other and it's weird because you got it's just kind of a a a, a weird thing where Tango GameWorks. Technically, only has Ghostwire Tokyo in development, yeah. and it's <laughs> a PlayStation Five exclusive. So it's it's super weird. Undead Labs was standard in K three. Apparently, that game is a few years out as well, and they announced mm-hmm. that like a year ago. It's it's a super weird situation. I, I and look, we can all be happy about Xbox buying Activision, buying um, uh, Blizzard, and Bethesda, and, and Bethesda, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Of course, we're ecstatic. We can't wait for future games. Our issue here isn't about what Xbox is going to do in the future. It's what it's doing right now. And what it's doing right now, it's questionable. They had a really good year last year. We knew Sony was going to have an amazing year this year, but we're kind of expecting Xbox to do something about it. And they haven't really stepped yeah. up. I mean, I don't. I have no idea what uh, what Redfall is. And that's coming out this summer. <laughs> and I'm a huge fan of that studio. The fact we that I have no don't idea even know what, what Starfield is, is really. If we're really gonna get technical, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess we can. We can. I guess we, we can presume. With Starfield, things. I guess we can probably think about what yeah, it yeah, can yeah. be with Redfall and that trailer that they showed. We have no idea what that game is. Is it a? Is it a? Is it a uh, fucking Left 4 Dead like? Is it a, a? Is a? We don't know what it yeah. is. We just don't know what it is. Like the best game that that Xbox has released. The, some of the best games that have released that are not Halo or or, or uh, Horizon was like Psychonauts 2, which came out on everything. Right. You know, like these certain. Like these certain games that are that last year a whole bunch of awards went to Deathloop, not even on Xbox. Uh, so, <laughs> man, it's it's a super super weird time for Xbox, and I think that they jumped the gun a little bit. But I I will say this: I don't think they really had a choice because otherwise, all they would have said is nothing, and then it would have been like, uh, kind of in the same situation where we're talking about that they are right today with the first three months of the month said nothing. Imagine that being the first three years of the Xbox Series X, them saying nothing in terms of announcing. Mm. Just so they're in a weird spot that has everything to do with how Xbox One kind of came out and, and kind of put them in a in a fucked up situation. It's weird. It is what it is. But again, just because you're in that weird spot based on past mistakes does not mean that you're excluded from criticism. Yeah. And that's just kind of how... Yeah, and my last point is, you know, these are problems that they've had before the acquisitions, right? So you think about right. the state of coalition kind of being shaky for, you know, after Gears 5 now, the Rob Ferguson's gone. 343 has been all over the map when it comes to quality of work uh, and turnover. Call it as it is. They've been bad. Yeah, yeah. Rare has Without, been... It, has it, yeah. With the exception of Sea of Thieves, which people like, that, that studio has been all over the map as well. And you're 
almost trying to solve that problem by just, okay, instead of addressing what's happening with them directly, let's just get some more studios. Let's kind of dilute the issue by adding more studios under the umbrella and, and, and kind of off, offsetting the, the problems that the premier studios are having. The problem you're having with that is your most important franchise is in a, with a studio that's kind of struggling with it and has been for years. And it, your new IPs that you're trying to build um, off the ground are not leaving the ground. And now you're doing it with reboots. Like, so you, you yeah. got to figure it out if you're, if you're Xbox at this point, because this is what's giving credence to Sony's, um, you know, sense of security and stability as, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to their first party studios. Yeah. They have the Sony Benz of the world that are kind of, you know, acting a fool sometimes, but you, you, you got Gorilla, Naughty Dog, Insomniac, I mean, Polyphony, the, the list goes on and you don't feel the same rickety vibes that you get when you think yeah. about the Xbox side, and I'm not trying to necessarily put the two against each other because I know that that's the easy thing to do, but it just goes to show you that if you are looking to kind of win over the consumer, yeah, it's great that you have all these studios and you have Game Pass to go along with it, but you have to have yeah. the quality of work that makes joining your brand worthwhile, and that has been inconsistent uh, for Xbox. And that's why I think, and that's why I think um, the way that they're going to resolve this issue in terms of games is through Game Pass. And one of my predictions for when we did the predictions for 2022 is I think that we're going to see a lot mm -hmm. of third-party games come out day one on Game Pass. And that is going to kind of ease the conversation a little bit. But ultimately, we want, you know, I, I want to see what the coalition is working on. But when you look at the, 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 the studios that they've acquired... Like, they don't have... id Software, what are they working on? We don't know. I mean, Machine Gun Games, technically, we don't know. Uh, you know, Ninja Theory has uh, Hellblade coming too. Obsidian has so much they're working on. What's coming next? I don't know. When is Everwild coming out? We don't know. What's Tango Gameworks working on besides Ghostwire Tokyo? We don't know. Like, it's so many of these things of we don't knows. And they've done it to themselves by kind of, like you said, diluting the brand by adding so much to mm. their uh, kind of catalog and then having nothing to really show for it yet. But still, we're in the now and we have to talk about what in the now. And yeah, like I said, Game Pass is going to is gonna kind of save them a little bit this year, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, Xbox sales are, are beating PlayStation 5 that, you know, let, let's not, let's not, let's not fucking, let's not pretend that it's not because PlayStation 5 is basically unavailable everywhere <laughs> right but that's pretty good headline to still have you know like to, to say hey we're the best-selling console this year two months running so that's pretty good headline to have mm. so we'll, we'll see what happens here in the future they're not it's not like they're dead in the water or anything but this is something that that's definitely gonna hurt them if it keeps on going the way it's going yeah, for sure all right and our third and final hit point news item is uh more of a quick shout out kind of thing for Elden Ring. Uh, not only has Elden Ring become the best selling game of the month of February, but is also um, the second best selling game over the last 12 months, with only Call of Duty Vanguard having sold more. Um, so, what's your take on Elden Ring's dominance on the sales charts? And uh, a real quick kind of update on how your adventure is going. Yeah, I think this is one of the examples of Twitter being. Uh good you know a uh, twitter a uh, really making this is one of the games that i've that i've not seen that not only have i seen people talk about it but also people really kind of give each other kind of advice about what to do next and it's really opened this up and made it really kind of a community 
type of game and i think that helps it obviously with the fact that it's a 96 on open critic and oh yeah by the way it's a fucking incredible game yeah it really really is you can if you sit down and give it time and understand the mechanics you're gonna have an amazing time with it and i'm not really surprised that it sold as much as it's it's it, you know within the year i am surprised that it is the second best-selling game in 12 months that's kind of wild um just because of what of the nature of the game and what the game is and, and kind of what everybody knows what what miyazaki does with these uh, souls like games but man yeah um as for how it's going for me i i'm still i'm not um i'm not playing as much as i was before but that has nothing to do with the game it has to do with literally yeah, life and say, you know with, with stuff happening around the house i'm literally not playing anything like i'm playing maybe a couple hours like an hour or two a day and i'm splitting that between elden ring and wwe uh which i'm probably gonna stop playing WWE for a bit now and kind of just refocus on Elden ring but i'm having a great time man i'm still loving the fact mm. that if i'm struggling in an area i can just go do something else and it find like four or five different other kind of side missions or or you know like kind of like dungeons that i can work like uh, there's always something to do and I never feel like I'm just stuck in place. Yeah. I'm always progressing in something and I'm having one hell of a time and it really, I was thinking about this uh, and I kind of wanted to bring it up to you like, I don't know, and it's, it's going to be a little sacrilegious, Uh-oh. I don't know how Breath of the Wild 2 is going to do better than what this game has oh, done. Oh, I, I, I mean, I think, I, I think I, if, if there's anybody that could figure it out, it is Nintendo. But uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't oh, one hundred percent. But, but I'm gonna sit here and think about okay, the, everything that I'm feeling about this game is what what I felt with Breath of the Wild, except this is better than that, right? And it, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. It comes after mm-hmm. that. So they, if if and Miyazaki is inspired by Zelda, he's said many times he's that's one of his favorite games yeah. of all time. So it, it goes. I'm sure Breath of the Wild had a big kind of impact on this game. Sure it did. So I'm curious as to what Breath of the Wild 2 is going to do to not only be better than Breath of the Wild 1, but also I'm going to compare because these are two of my favorite franchises of all time. You know, is 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 there a world where Elden Ring, if Breath of the Wild 2 comes out this year, where Elden Ring is number one and Breath of the Wild 2 is number two? Like, well, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I mean, the nostalgic factor is, is huge here. and I, Yeah, you know, we'll I, I get what but, you're saying. But first of all, you don't have to worry about Breath of the Wild 2 coming out this year. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, um, I think uh, I, shit. I almost know, don't want to, and you know this already. These games are going for different things at the end of the day, and so yeah. oh, I think yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know we we kind of have to reserve judgment until we we get a full like reveal of what the sequel actually is about, what their themes are going to be, gameplay wise and stuff. Before we can, but I also think like it is time for you know for for people like you and others to kind of detach these two games uh these two games from each other i think it's time to do that i know that they feel like they're very comparable to each other and in some ways they are but in the end i think that you know a nintendo uh open world game is 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 going for very different things and i think the comparison is going to spin a lot of people in circles uh if the scenario of the uh, of breath of the wild 2 coming out this year happens because it's just it's a weird comparison to me but I don't think it's that different because the whole the whole basis of the Zelda games is that you know where to go. Like you have these little spots where you can go, and in Elden Ring, you know all these these sites of grace point to the directions and where you need to go. But that's not really how you play the game. It's about exploration, and I think both those games really lean on exploration. Now, 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 Breath of the Wild being more of a sandbox with the physics and all that 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 kind of st- makes it 
unique on its own. And then obviously with the gameplay with Elden Ring and all the kind of builds that you can do with that and the RPG elements kind of get, it's different in that way. So that does set those games apart. But I think the essence of those games are pretty are, are pretty spot on, are pretty like kind of yeah. how, how, how you enjoy the game at the most is by exploring and just going places and, 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 and I, going I to different you. areas. And just, I feel you, but, but the thing yeah. is, that's Breath of the Wild. We don't even know how Breath of the Wildy this sequel is going to be. We're calling it Breath of the Wild 2 because right, right. it's just what we're calling it now, but we don't know how that game's going to be structured. There might not be any shrines to go find, you know, like that anymore. There might be a totally different dynamic with that game. So, I think that what I'm saying detach it from I don't it, know. Because it wouldn't have called it Breath of the Wild 2 if it it's was not Breath of the Wild 2, though. So, like, you know, we have yeah. to wait and see kind of what they're e- what they're even striving for with that game. Because there's a lot of like little rumblings that it's gonna be. It's, it might throw a little curveball at people with like what it's doing. Like I've heard, like you're gonna be playing as two different people. You're gonna be playing at the sky and on the ground. Like I've heard all kinds of stuff. So I think we just have to wait and see what their action, what their intention is with that game before we can start the where is it gonna stack up against Elden Ring conversation for right now. I think. It's too early to say, but even then, I think the co- the conversation is fair because when we do game of the year stuff, we're gonna well, we're be gonna have to compare apples to oranges games. anyway. Yeah. yeah, but I you know I just think for now, yeah. let it's and that's kind of what I meant. Where it's like, is there a world where my game of the year list has Elden Ring one and Breath of the Wild two? Like, you know. I think so. I mean, look, I I you know to briefly say how it's going, Strangers of Paradise. I mean. <laughs> It's uh, I mean, there's some games that I know have recently kind of become an all-time favorite. There's some games that make me go back to my spreadsheet and go, okay, where exactly is this gonna land? And I've I've started yeah, reworking my all-time games list. Uh, I think I know where Elden Ring's sitting right now, um, and I feel like it's it, it has potential to go up higher, but it is pretty it is pretty up there right now. So that my my experience has been great. If I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, I'll just tell you right now. It supplanted uh, uh, Dark Souls Three, which is my number ten game of all time. So that's where it's at right now. Ooh, because it's it's better. It, it is better than that game for yeah. me already. I mean, what 65, 70 hours in, just about sixty eight hours mm. in. Uh, yeah, I think I, it's fair to say that I can. I'm pr- I, I put more time into this game than I have yeah. with Dark Souls Three in one run through. So yeah, I, I I can fairly say that. And look. I, I, I'm not going to tell you and say it's going to go higher than that, but we'll see. You never know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and time will tell with that. It's not going to be something by the end of the year where it's like, yeah, it's my number <laughs> one favorite game of all time. Yeah. That's not the way that works. Yeah. It took like years for uh, for uh, for Witcher 3 to go from six to three. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like just kind of more games came on and be like, you know what? This is better than that. It's better than that. So, um, Yeah. I mean, yeah. All you need to do now is just make sure you get MGS2 up higher on your top 10 list and i think you're pr- you're probably you're probably fine move, move snake eater down <laughs> i mean it's like it's like it's like 11 or 12 Ooh. or some shit it's like <laughs> list so wrong all right well that is gonna wrap up uh hit points for us uh and it's time to get into the main event of the cool down time podcast which is the checkpoint chat it's time for the checkpoint chat all right so um you know pablo it's it's no secret that Elden Ring's, uh, you know, high review scores, or even thinking back to last year with Deathloop getting perfect tens, or you know, uh, you know, games getting low scores that are, you know, generally well received. There's, there's been a lot of discussion, just overall, about uh, video game reviews in general, and 
you know, this is something that I've been really curious to talk to you about, and obviously for our, you know our listeners to to kind of ponder themselves of of how much we trust video game reviews, and to kind of talk about video game reviews um, almost existentially, uh, to kind of pinpoint some of the things that make video game reviews helpful or challenging based on you know fans and based on uh, media outlets and journalism and and even video game publishers themselves. So we're going to try to unpack this and 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 see what we can come up with for some analysis into this uh, this very uh, relevant and hot-button conversation right now. Um, so I think the best place to start, uh, though, just to kind of set the tone and, and set the table for kind of our, our takes on video game reviews is to uh, start with this question, and I'll kick it to you first, man. Um, how much influence do video game reviews have on your purchase decisions, really? Yeah, I think that really just depends on the game for me. I mean, I, I know, and to kind of keep it in the same vein, I know I was going to get Elden Ring regardless. You know, that, that was just a game that was going to ha- happen for me. But a game like WWE 2K22 did depend on some reviews for me. Like, I don't know whether or not I was going to get in and start some good reviews. So it really does depend uh, on it. And then even so, even when the reviews do come out, I still kind of have to read it and kind of get through it to see exactly what it is about this game that they are really uh, praising. Like, I, I fell into the trap with Deathloop was just kind of like the critical score, like the open critic score. And if I really read those reviews, I wouldn't realize that that game, that and Returnal, just probably weren't going to satisfy me the way I wanted mm-hmm. them to satisfy me. So I, I think it really just depends. It's not a, a one answer fits all. Like, I, I'm not the type of person where it's like, Oh, I'm not buying any game unless it's over 70 or over, you know, a certain kind of uh, score. It really it really just depends on that for me. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. for me, you know, look, re- video game reviews were what actually got me into wanting to write about video games and be in, be in journalism, you know, just in general. So, I, you know, back in the old days of GamePro and the review section, and yeah. I always wanted to be that person who can give a score for a game based on its quality and stuff. So I, I've always cared about video game reviews, but I will say, like, in recent years, based on kind of my opinions on the quality of some of um, the reviews that are out there now and, you know, trustworthy sources and stuff like that, that it's become less influential over my decisions. Like, we've all fallen for the game that got, like, insanely good reviews that we all went and, you know, rolled the dice on. Like, all right, I'll get it because people, like, said they liked it. We've all fallen for that at one point. Celeste, and it worked. Yeah, and sometimes it it'll work, and sometimes it's like, yeah. man, I knew better than to get that game. I knew I, knew I wasn't <laughs> right, going right, to like right. it, you know? D- Nine times yeah, out of ten, though, right? It's that. Loop. Thanks, Pablo. Uh, you know, yeah. so... <laughs> <laughs> but you know the thing is like overall I've I've become more confident in kind of knowing what's best for me instead of being told what's best for me from a lot of these people because a lot of them have tastes and preferences that vary wildly different from my own and so I don't I don't lean on reviews as much for that now I do care about like okay what's the general consensus how like you know on uh, we'll talk about metacritic you know open critic later on but like I'll, I'll I, I like high level stuff like that um, it does kind of get me to think about a game or contemplate trying a game out but I don't think that um reviews have been uh, too reliable for me uh, at large uh, to, to really to as much as they used to be when I was younger to you know influence my my purchasing decisions so um, now I will yeah. say you know like when you Pablo like read or watch a review um, of a video game that you're curious about or whatever um, 
just in general, when you come, when you approach a review, what are some of your like general expectations or needs as a consumer as far as like how you want to be informed or talked to uh, about said game? Yeah, I mean, I I tend to be more on the technical side of it when it comes to reviews. Like, I want people to tell me graphically what the game is looking like, how the game plays. Uh, give me some general thoughts about you know, how they feel about the game, but I'm usually less inclined to really connect to someone who has a personal anecdote or something about their experience mm-hmm. with that game, which I, I think that's a great way of writing. I think it's a, it's, it's an amazing, you know, it really brings another layer to reviews, but when I'm, as a consumer, when I'm reading a review, I'm looking to be informed. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if we want to kind of give any misgivings on that, but I think reviews are doing less mm-hmm. of that. And are kind of more involved in how the reviewer is feeling yeah. and how well, dare they we're yeah, gonna do go this there. to me. <laughs> For sure, yeah. yeah. So, but I, I think as a consumer specifically, uh, just general expectations is is give me the overview of the game. You know, if it's if it's a narrative driven game, tell me if the story was impactful, tell me how it worked, how it didn't work. You know, if it's a gameplay heavy type of game, tell me how the gameplay mechanics work. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate to keep going back to these games, but these are the most recent games I, I, I we talked about. What, like WWE 2K22, when they talked about the grapple and the light and the light uh, grapple, the, the heavy mm-hmm. and light and the grapple moves, how that all worked out. That was kind of the key factor as to why I went in and purchased the game because it's like, okay, mechanically this game is really speaking to me. And I wouldn't have known that unless I, some reviewer, which some reviewer did, talked about that yeah. you know, in, in detail. So that's the kind of stuff that I, I like to be informed about kind of the overview and the general aspects of the game uh yeah i think i'm the same i think it's like it's a case of like leave as as few stones unturned as possible because Mm -hmm. if the objective of your review is to uh you know cast some kind of recommendation for the game then you have to back that up with uh information Uh, yeah there's always going to be subjectivity in reviews and we'll talk about that probably in a little bit here but like at the end of the day i need to be given uh paint me the picture you know, like I, I don't need you to gloss over anything. I need you to cover as many facets of the game as possible because that is your your responsibility in analyzing this game for a review purpose, right? So I look for, yeah. to your point, a very highly informative uh, review. Um, give me the data. And then tell me kind of where you stand on it if you want to afterwards subjectively. But I do need that information. Um, but I think since we're kind of already here now, we might as well sort of you know uh, unpack the 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 value and and accuracy and helpfulness of video game reviews. So kind of where are you at with the like how informative and how helpful and how accurate uh, video game reviews have become uh, in games yeah. media? Yeah, they've become less informative. To me, I mean, like, I, I, I've, I've seen reviews that completely don't talk about a mode. Oh yeah. Or don't talk about a specific setting, or don't talk about a specific gameplay issue, or even a gameplay advancement pre- from a previous game. Uh, and I, I think for that they've been less accurate. I, you know, I, I, I've read reviews that 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 completely don't talk about the game at all, and, and kind of talk about a, a, the 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 games games world games as a whole, right? As or a, like or like, like politics. A, They'll kind of get into political. Right, right. Which look, I, 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 I'm, I'm in tune to politics. I'm, you know, 
I'm a really liberal kind of person and I understand all the things that are happening in the world and I know there's some games that do speak to that and I think that th- that's fine. Uh, but I, I also, when, I, when it comes to some reviews, I if you want to talk to me about personal experiences and you want to talk to me about kind of like social issues and how some certain games, how you feel this game is either talking about that or, or ignoring it, I'm okay with that. But also give me the information. Like, do both. Mm-hmm. Like, you just do both. Like, and that's okay. I, I can read it and be like, all right, I'm, I'm informed, I know. And I also read this really cool, interesting piece about social issues and how this game speaks about that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. But I also now came out of that review without like, okay, now I know how this person feels about this. But, oh, wait, what about the game? So that's <laughs> yeah. the kind of stuff where I, I, I sometimes read. I'm like, wait, but they're not even talking about the game. You know, I, I read something. I think it was the Halo review. Was it was it somebody from Giant Bomb who didn't even oh, talk about Gersman. Halo? Yeah, yeah. He just uh, talked and, about state like, yeah, of reviews and, just, and, and, you know. Yeah. And I was like, all right, like, cool. I agree with you, man. But what about Halo Infinite? How's that yeah. game play, man? <laughs> like, so it, it, that's the kind of stuff where I I am not one of these people that can say be like, take your politics out of my reviews or no, bring, I'll bring them on. Love it, do it, great. But also talk about the game. Like, what? Well, it's not that hard to do. I mean, maybe it is, but I, whatever. Yeah. What I'm saying is, you know, just just do both. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it all comes back to the core objective of a video game review being to help a reader or a, um, you know, a viewer make an informed decision about a video game, right? That's, that's what it all comes back to. And I think that reviews, um, and there are some, some outlets and some people that do a great job. This is not a poo-pooing session for everybody. Uh, but I think by and large, um, reviews have become more, to your point, personal narratives Instead of actual analysis and uh, you know coverage of the video game, which is why you see a lot of people, to your point, excluding a lot of um, aspects of, of a game in their review or not talking about certain things that are uh, you know central to that video game uh, in question, because in their world, their review is based on their tastes and their preferences. You had people like, you know, leaving reviews of a video game and saying the side quests weren't that engaging, but they hate side quests in video games. Like you have stuff like that going on that is tainting the ability for the reader or viewer to take you at your word and trust that you're taking yourself out of the equation to help them. Right. And I think that's what's missing in this era now where people are trying to use reviews as a platform or a vehicle for their voice or their opinion on things. So I think it's becoming really, really uh, problematic um, in, 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 you know, to piggyback off of what you're saying, to just get a pure analysis and breakdown of the video game. Like I even go as far as to say, you know, and, and people can disagree that I, you know, leave politics out of it, you know, uh, unless a game is just being, you know, flagrantly like racist or, you know, something like that. And it's unavoidable. But I mean, if it's just, you know, kind of conservative, liberal, you know, back and forth spatting about uh, the way a game did something, then I, I, I don't even need that. Like leave that up to the, leave the, the politics out of that and just tell me about the game. Um, and it's just made it very hard to, to trust a lot of those places and a lot of those people. Um, yeah. I, go ahead. For me, it's like when it comes to those kind of things, like I, if, if, if you feel better about writing video games and want to talk about stuff that's happening in Ukraine and Russia and any kind of, I'm okay with that. Um, just because that's fine. That's how you want to write it. But I, 
you you have to have like you said the 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 stuff about the game has to be mm-hmm. in there, man. It just it, that's like non negotiable for me at this point. Yeah. Like that has to be in there. Like it is that that that's it. Like it, it it's hard for me to 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 sit here and and read a review or see a review watch a review and like you said say see someone that says I don't like side quests in games so therefore four out of ten. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a review. No, man. it's not. That's you know. You have to take what the game is and what the game is telling you, what the game is showing you, what it's trying to do, and then kind of analyze that, you know, put that through that blender and then just kind of write about this is what the game is as a total package. Like, if you don't like side missions, then at that point, you're, you're right. four out of ten for every game that has side missions on it, fine. But, yeah. like, it, it's just super, it's super weird and... and and, yeah, you know, I, it, it, I agree, man. I think yeah. it just kind of and it and it bleeds into the lack of consistency, especially when you look at like video game outlets. If it's like a if it's like a YouTuber, you know, it's one person. You kind of get a feel for how they kind of approach video game reviews. But when it's like a GameSpot or an IGN, and you're getting inconsistent reviews because one reviewer is willing to talk about performance issues. And then the next reviewer who's reviewing a different game is not going to talk about that kind of thing at all. And that game happens to have problems, right? So, like, it just creates this inconsistent um, obscurity of, like, I don't, I can't trust that. Okay, so does this mean since they didn't talk about performance problems that there aren't any in this game? Or does it mean that this person just doesn't prioritize that with their review criteria? Like, so that's the, it just, it just, it's way too inconsistent. And I think my last thing is like the, it, it jeopardizes the, the, the clearness and the, the quality barometer of the review. Like I can't get a read on what these people's criteria is that determines a good or bad game because the goalpost seems to move on a game to game basis. You're forgiving a game for one thing that you're roasting another game for doing. Right. And I think that creates a lot of room for fan misinterpretation. Oh, and if it, and God forbid it's an exclusive for like Sony or Microsoft. Oh, you, you didn't roast a horizon for having a, you know this problem but you got on this game for having the same problem you know and then it's like oh now you're shills you're getting payola bought out blah 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 it just opens a can of worms that could be avoided if there was more consistency across the board with the approach to how to review a game that's all i'm saying and and that's and that's totally and that's and that's totally right i mean when you look at uh the way halo kind of reviewed and you know that lack of uh, that lack of of content was there early on, and not a lot of people talked about that. Mm-hmm. And then those same people are now trying to roast the game for it not having content. It's like it didn't have content then. That was one of the main issues, but you didn't bring it up in your review. So it's like, yeah. come on, man. And, and it's the same thing like with with Elden Ring and, and 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 Cyberpunk, right? Elden Ring. Not a lot of people talked about some of the issues that the game has as performance wise. That's all people talked about Cyberpunk. Like people didn't even know Cyberpunk was a game. They just thought it was a demo <laughs> of terrible shit. Like. like <laughs> Like, you know, like that's all people talked about. And then anybody who had any praise for, for cyberpunk was uh, completely uh, bashed yeah, online. You know, that one dude from, I think I forget his name from IGN gave it a nine. And there were like, people were like, are you chill? And he talked about graphical issues, but he also talked about the game itself and how it worked on PC. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you can't do that now. Like, it's like, it's weird. It's it, And also, I, 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 I. There's people who are on YouTube that I like, but they're they have certain tastes. But man, they're also inconsistent with kind of what they hold to the what they hold to the fire. And they got motives too. Like they are, and we'll kind of get into a little bit of that with like the 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 reviewer publisher relationship and kind of how that can be a little 
a little too symbiotic at times. You know, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. But like, I I just think overall, yeah, I think you're right. It's it is kind of. It is just making it really, really hard, um, you know, in the review space at this point. And I, and I think just to kind of segue into the the big elephant in the room is is the infatuation now, um, really on the fan side and on the industry side with with Metacritic and Open Critic, right? Like a lot of games are are kind of built or based around the best chance of getting a great Metacritic, the focus tested to hell, and you know, to yeah, and the public, yeah, side, exactly. Least, yeah. And and I think on the fan side, that number. Uh, carries so much weight that it could almost override the context of the review itself, right? Because, oh, it's a 97 game. You know, look, we love Elden Ring to death, but that game ain't perfect, right? But when you see 97, people go to, oh, it's the greatest reviewed game of the last bubble by years. It's, you know, it's just too much confusion and, and too much obsession with that number. But even even with the number itself, like that number can mean two different things depending on what people were expecting. So, for example, I'll bring it up again. WWE 2K22, I think it's great. I think it's not as bad as people thought it was going to be. It stands at a 77 on Open Critic. That's great. 77, people were expecting way less mm-hmm. than that. At camp, you know, And then you got a game like Dying Light 2 who, uh, sitting at a 76. Failure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, like, come on. I don't, I, like, 76 does not in any way, shape, or form really mean anything for Dying Light mm-hmm. 2 or any games, really. What does 96 mean for Elden Ring other than just say an aggregated kind of... What does that mean? It's not perfect. You know, uh, Horizon has an 89. And then games like Shadow Warrior 3 sitting at a 73, people's like, it's a surprising good time. Like, it's one of those things where the number doesn't even mean right. anything. It's all about expectations and what you thought it was going to get and then what it ended up getting and the deficiencies behind that number. It's it just... It's a mess. I, I Listen... We're guilty. We we did a whole show where we kind of like you know predicted uh, open critic, and I think it's a. But good I'm going to shoot us some bail though on that in saying that okay we weren't basing any of our predictions off of what we th- hoped the game would get. We were basing it almost that's off right. of the psychology of the reviewers because we know how they that's function. Right, that's right. Yeah. So it's like okay, I think that game is probably going to be great, but I can bet you it's Rainbow Six. They're probably going to give that a, a a horrible school. You know that's that's the approach yeah. we had. Yeah. Oh yeah, and because I. If you would have asked me, what do does Pablo think based on your like that Elden Ring ring was gonna get? And I probably would have probably said like a 91, 92, just because the expectation of of that game and whatever. But it got a ninety six. But I I, I predicted mm-hmm. a ninety six because I said if this game does everything that other other games does and it does it better than them, then people are just gonna want Souls games to finally break through into yeah. that into and that like the media you know, darling, world tour. and that's exactly. What, yeah, and that's exactly what happened there. But yeah, I, I I I think it's a good tool if you know how to use it. I think if you click on that number and go through the reviews and understand what people are saying, getting a consensus that way rather than getting a consensus through a specific yeah. number, you know, because you just got to read the reviews and really uh, understand what exactly they're saying yeah. about the game. And I just kind of go into Open Critic and go, oh, and people do see the movies, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it's 30% rotten not watching it. Like, I've watched movies that are... <laughs> Not reviewed well that are oh, pretty sure. good. I watch movies that are reviewed like amongst the best, and people claim it's the best movie in the world. Citizen Kane. That movie sucks Ooh. balls. Uh, anyway, I don't uh, know. Man. <laughs> um, listen, I also think this is a great opportunity to 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 shoot some shots at the fans. All that review bombing nonsense that goes on 
is oh obnoxious. Yeah, I get it. Games have bugs and problems, but you guys like start this mob mentality of we're going to go in Metacritic and, and review bomb that game. It, it, it's and then you have like the death threats that come out when a game gets a seven somewhere, but everybody else is giving it nines People and tens. Like fans got got a lot to do with this problem too. It's not it's not just the reviewers. It's also fan expectations, fanboyism. Um, and, and this, this, you're almost rooting for a game to get a higher score, almost as like a gotcha to the Xbox and the PS fanboys. And, and, you know, it's, it's whack. It's super, super whack. It's like, just do you, do you, I don't know. I don't know what your intentions are. Like, what's your objective as a gamer anymore? Are you, do you play games or do you just like the, do you just like the mess of games? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I can't stand that stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, that stuff is is super embarrassing, and I I want to also take a point and say that I don't think I think we've been clear. I don't think that we're saying everybody who reviews games is doing a bad no. job. We just think that there's two. There's a lot of people doing just oh, dumb yeah. shit when it yeah, comes it's to reviews, so and, and it's ruining that whole process. Sure. Yeah, because there's a lot of good, and we'll talk about kind of people who yeah. we like in terms of reviews. A yeah, bit, yeah, we're yeah. gonna hand out some daffodils for sure. We got this. Um, so. Shifting gears to the the publisher side of it, again, you know the the Metacritic infatuation does extend to publishers and developers. Um, it is a big component of what they deem a success or failure. It's not all sales driven. It is obviously critical uh, as well. Um, but you also have heard of issues where publishers are kind of playing the game too, right? When you think about like review embargoes going up late so that they can withhold like bad reviews until after the first day, second day of sales are done, then you drop the bad news. Like you've seen like pulling review codes if if uh, an outlet gives a game a bad score. Like we've seen, we've heard stories of Ubisoft saying, nope, no more review codes for you guys. You got to play it day one and you don't get the day one review that goes up for your clicks and blah, blah, blah. So you see pettiness like that, like review events. But that's the blackballed uh, Kotaku yeah, dude. for a Yeah, like time. a lot of places are getting blackballed. Like, uh, you know, review events, like you come to our review event you have uh, X amount of days to finish the game and, and, and leave a review and, and we're there to kind of hover over your shoulder while you're playing the game too like it there's a little bit of gamification when it comes to reviews and manipulation rather on the publisher side what are your thoughts on that yeah i i think that you're right i think that that's exactly what it is i think a lot of people uh within specifically publishers are playing that game where the game comes out next week and here's the code a day two days before it without the first without the first day patch so oh them day one patches of that (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I I also think that that also extends to to a lot of uh, the the industry of of being kind of a games journalist or a reviewer or a YouTuber influencer tastemaker however you want to kind of describe yourself how being first or being within the time of the embargo is important for your channel. So listen, there's a lot of people day one had that Elden Ring uh, a, a review ready to go. And it's like, mm, interesting, since we've heard since then, people only had a week to play it. The WWE stuff, they got it on Sunday. Embargo was mm-hmm. Monday. So, you know, it's those kind of things where it's like, all right, so is this review a complete and legitimate take on the game? Or are you just kind of uh, hitting that deadline based on the fact that if day one with everybody else, you're actually 
able to get the most views possible. One of the things that I thought was interesting is IGN in the past couple of uh, reviews has, has actually not been doing kind of day one embargo mm-hmm. stuff. Like, like reviews in progress Pokemon, kind of things? Yeah. yeah. Right. Po- not, yeah, Pokemon. Or even saying, hey, our reviews aren't even ready yet. Give us a couple of days. Uh, Triangle Strategy was another one they did recently where they didn't even do a review in progress. Where it's like, hey, review's going to be out when the when the uh, person's ready. Which I commend. I think that's really that's super interesting as a, a take on specifically them being the Walmart. Of, yeah, of game plus generally. crunch culture in uh, mind as well. You know, like yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and so you know, I I I think that the entire kind of I would. This would kind of not be like ideal for everybody, but I would be okay if 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 em- people just kind of ignored embargoes in terms of like once they expired, not having something ready day one. Like if if for whatever reason you're not ready, you're not ready, and you can, you're gonna be able to give me the best possible um, kind of uh, review that you possibly can based on the fact that you actually yeah. completed the game and played the most of it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like you know I want to pocket check anybody that um you know that 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 does this for a living especially if they have their own channel and content like you got to do what you got to do um but at the same time um i think that man how do i want to say this like what it all comes down to kind of the purity of 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 your content like are you trying to provide the most the best and most accurate representation of your opinion of a game or are you trying to to beat the clock and get the most yeah. click potential, view potential, money potential. Like, again, I don't fault anybody for caring about both, but, you know, that's a very tough dilemma to be in if you're if you're a content creator. And um, I would, if I were in their shoes, I know it's easy for me to say, I've never done it before, but I would, I would strive to be more informational and educational, even if it meant I had to wait and not beat the deadline or be there on day one with a review like everybody else. Like it's just not worth it. Um, in, in terms of your reputation to, to roll the dice and, you know, we've seen people like post reviews of a game, then the game gets thrashed for what is valid and justified about what's wrong with it. And then they'll take the review down. I remember, um, young Ye did that with, I think cyberpunk, you know, and it's like yeah. fam. Yeah. You, you didn't flinch too much about it, but, but look at what that did. To, to and didn't um uh, ACG did Elden Ring, Elden Ring v- as review well? score changed and and you know we've seen like people update reviews as like patches come out but like this is this is kind of the the drawback of trying to beat the deadline and be there for the for the most optimal uh, clicks and views it, it comes at a cost and sometimes yes it's not always their fault they didn't make the game but at the same time you just because an embargo is up doesn't mean you have to post that review right then and there. You can wait and, and yeah. give it a, a clickbaity title down the line. Say, hey, you know, Elden Ring two weeks later. Does it, is it still good? You know, or whatever you have to do. But like it, there is, to your point, a cost of, of, of being first. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, we've talked about a lot of, you know, uh, negatives and, and, and some positives. But what ways do you think video games can improve or evolve from here? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a clear path for that. I think that the process of reviewing any product, be media, being, you know, video games, books, I think there's always going to be a flaw. I think there's always going to be opinions are going to run rampant and are going to color the way people view certain things about certain games. You know, you know, I don't like Ubisoft, so it's impossible for me to like any Ubisoft game type of thing. You know, that that's kind of like, I think ultimately what they need to do is probably, you know, come down to basic 
politics a little bit and maybe uh, be a little bit more informative, like we've talked about. Uh, take a little bit less about uh, things personal, <laughs> I guess, and, and kind of take the history of you know certain things. If you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to kind of not want Ubisoft, if you have a problem with what Ubisoft is doing culturally, I think the best thing we do is not review that game at all. That you know, as an outlet, kind of show your solidarity, solidarity with that team, and just don't do it at all. The fuck up, you know. But to to kind of sit there and then review uh, a Ubisoft game poorly, and then in your review you talk about how they've treated their uh, employees poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, I that's that's a weird thing for me. Like I, I get it, inform me, but also talk to me about the game as as a product, you know, um, or don't at all. Like you know, people who have problems with Mel Gibson as an actor just don't watch his movies. Mm-hmm. Fine. You know that, that that's good too. I'm okay with that, but you know as to how it could evolve, I mean, I, I feel like it's more the same. You know, um, find ways to talk about the game in an informative manner, and then you know also find ways to to kind of educate me on certain aspects of the game, but not without you trying to educate me on how I'm feeling politically and how I feel about a certain thing and how I should feel bad about that and that's why this game is 1 out of 10 or something like that I don't know it, it, it's a weird thing reviews are weird innately yeah. I mean it's a it's a creative endeavor and now sir judge me <laughs> on what I think is creative it's weird yeah. it's weird to begin with but it is part of, of yeah the for culture. sure I mean you know like I said earlier there's always going to be subjectivity in reviews and I, I think it'd be ridiculous to say less of that please um, but at yeah. the same time my recommendation for for improvement is uh, going back to what I said earlier, which is striving for consistency. I think that comes in a lot of different forms. Um, for games media outlets like IGN, GameSpot, so on, I think they really have to strive for a better review scale um, that is not, yeah. it's not the sexy number based. It, it could be number based, but it can't just be, that can't be the main event of the review. I think they have to do a better job of, of you know, enlightening people with, with context. Um, to make it not like, oh, here's the review. I'm just going to scroll down until I see the score. You know what I mean? Like how long form articles are not it anymore. They're just not, you know? And so like the YouTube version of those reviews are more popular. I think leaning into that is probably best, but you have to kind of frame the review a lot better and be more consistent with the criteria from reviewer to reviewer. That's another issue that I think is, is plaguing um, outlets right now. Um, very few, uh, if any, have that lockdown. So I think that consistency is crucial. Um, I would also say to stay away from extremes. Uh, you know, Modern reviewers are, are, are more on the younger side. Uh, there are some exceptions. There are still the Jeff Gersmans of the world, I guess. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it. But, like, I find that younger reviewers are a little too extreme with their opinions. And uh, there's not a spectrum of thought as well as, as there used to be. Uh, games are either goaded or trash. Um, and I think that's more of a YouTube yeah, problem, yeah. frankly. Um, but I think that is way too annoying. Um, and it rules out most of those shit. content creators as being like trustworthy sources. So I think if people want to get into this into this arena of video game content, you have to start kind of <laughs> becoming more even keeled as a, as a gamer um, and, and not come into games with bias or um, this, this trash or treasure mentality. I think that has to stop. Um, but yeah, those are the two things I would say, I think. And, and last thing, of course, is just 
sweat the small stuff. That's what reviews are about. Like previews and, you know, little sizzle videos, 10 things you should know. Like you can be fluffy there, but reviews are the the end of the day, how good or bad is this game and why breakdown. So don't be afraid to get granular uh, just because some 19-year-old yep. only cares about the score at the bottom of, you know, like give us a breakdown, just figure out how to articulate it in a way that makes people interested. Um or if you can't, you know, you know, try to figure it out in a different avenue or a different type of article about that game to talk more extensively about it. Like what you see with Eurogamer doing with Digital Foundry, you know, like that's where you can get the nerdy breakdown of like frame rates and resolution and all that good stuff. Um, if you don't want to, you know, bog down your review. So I think that's something that these outlets can consider as well. Um, yeah, I agree to that, that point. Um, Recommend some reviewers that you like, man. Uh, you know, what, what are the, who are the ones that are getting it right to you and, and why? I think more often than not, um, Eurogamer yep. uh, tends to, to kind of uh, sweat the small stuff, like you said. I, I think that they do a really good job with being informative. And at times they can also, you know, be, they can also talk about a game on a yeah, higher sure. level, you know, and I, and I do appreciate that. I think um, as a group of people that kind of, when I kind of look at how they view games and how they kind of like their excitement towards games, I think Easy Allies is probably mm. another like really good uh, source. I, I really like everybody on there. And I think that when they look at games, they don't come with this kind of uh, like uh, like this jaded. Uh, oh, view. that's such they're, a good they're, point. They're, yeah, they're very like, joyful like video games are cool and i and i and i agree i mean like a bad video game sucks but ultimately it's a fucking video game you know i and i do like that and as a person who is you know i'm a little bit on the jaded side of all things just kind of my personality at times like to see that kind of like uh that that joyfulness behind games i think it's really good i think depending on who's reviewing it i know that maybe this is not your favorite but game spot with tamor hussein i think lately he's been doing a really good job he's Ooh. very like uh, again he's he's <laughs> He's very much like uh, them in that he's very joyful about games and every game is perfect. When it's a 10 out of 10 to him, there's no flaws. And I get his excitement behind it. I think obviously that's mm-hmm. not true, uh, but I, I do get his excitement. Another one that I like, would you consider this? They do review games usually, but this is more of the informative. Digital Foundry, sure, yeah, obviously, yeah. that you yeah. mentioned. I, yeah, I think they're, they're fucking superb when it comes to the just information about how the game runs and how it looks. Um, and... Um, the YouTubers, ACG is, is, is really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he's can a be a little bit uh, yeah. on the, uh, yeah, it's a lot. Um, and that's, I mean, um, I, I like groups of people who review games because I think you get a lot of different kind of uh, opinions. Like uh, MinMax and um, and even kind of funny, uh, having all those different kind of personalities on there. Uh, they, they can also be a lot, but I, uh, th- when they review games like that and they have four different opinions about it, I think it's, I think it's a really good way to really inform yourself of like the, these kind of, these, all four people are different in terms of what they like. And if there's a general consensus about a game, that's usually a pretty good sign about how, what the quality of yeah. the game is. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. agree about most of those, actually. I, I think my three are ACG, Eurogamer, and Easy Allies, myself. Um, one, one, yeah. one straggler every now and again, uh, depending you know on, on how I'm feeling. I, I would almost recommend 
rather than like the best ones to, and I told Pablo this many times, like to not go to as many reviews as, as, as you might yeah. already do habitually when a new game comes out that piques your interest. I, I used to be the type I'm going to watch and read just about everything to the point where I've yeah. heard 72 different perspectives about this one game. I've been told that sucks. Oh, actually, no, it doesn't suck. It's great. And I'm coming into games with like all this information from these reviews and I'm, I'm less focused on my personal experience and more focused on either validating or debunking what I heard a review say, you know, and I think it's, I think it's really important to kind of have an element of restraint to your review consumption, uh, for, for my suggestion. Um, but I would say ACG Eurogamer and, 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 uh, easy allies are the best three for me because they are the most consistent. They have a, a, a bona fide review scale and they evolve when gaming evolves, like they understand that, okay, now this is an era where performance issues, technical problems, you know, it's worth talking about. It's worth at least mentioning in some form or fashion. We need to make sure that's accounted for. They don't, they're not, they're not rocking a 2012 review formula in 2022 because games have changed. They know games come out buggier than they did back in the day. Right. So they understand that and it's part of their thinking and their review process. And I like that because it makes their reviews feel relevant and, and, uh, it, it feels more accurate, even though it is still at the end of the day subjective. Yeah, and and also I think it's important uh, when I say people like um, like Easy Allies kind of funny. Like it's about the discourse, it's not really about the review mm-hmm. score at, at the end of the day. Like it's kind of ha- having people talk about the game, uh, and and that really uh, for me I, I really like that. But you're right though, kind of inundating yourself with too much information, like Lost Judgment. That was one of the things that I think we saw a whole bunch of Everything. stuff on it, and it ran the gamut between I can't believe that this kid is just, it, uh, it's trying to pass off as a high schooler, which wasn't the case <laughs> at all. Yeah, uh, you know, like that was a complete lie, uh, and it, yeah, that was a big one for us. We we're like, whoa, these reviews are like people are saying they love this shit, and other people are saying they hate it. Somewhere in the middle, it, yeah, it, it's a lot. You just gotta kind of find the people that are closer to how you think about games, and then kind of that's jump a on them. that's a perfect way to summarize it, actually. It's also a good place to wrap up this week's show. Um, Until next time, uh, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. And uh, if you did, give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Cooldown Time Podcast and Twitter at Cooldown Time Pod. So we'll always be in your FOV. You're welcome, and we'll catch you next time. Make me feel good.